This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. It's impossible not to like Rodney Allen Rippey. If you grew up in the 70s, you saw him on TV all the time. You might have played with his doll, you might have seen him on the Six Million Dollar Man, or even the Johnny Carson show. You might have tried to have that same jack-in-the-box hamburger that he attacked on a commercial. Now, 40 years later, we talk about the then and the now in Rodney's life. The casting says, hey, haven't I seen you on TV before? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what's your name? And I said, Rodney? Rodney what? Rodney Allen Rippey. What's that in front of you? I said, that's the Jumbo Jack from Jack in the Box. And he said, do you think you could get a bite out of it? And I looked at it and I shook my head. I said, it's too big to eat. He said, well, pick it up and take a bite. So I picked it up and I took this huge bite. And he said, tell me how you like it. And I remember what my mom said. I said, I can't talk, my mouth's full. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Silver Star recipients, gold medal winners, and photographer Robert Mora. You know, you see these red carpet photographers and how that game works. And I stuck out like a sore thumb. Like, you know, they're like this and you're just, you're like, I'm trying to get the right composition and the right lighting. And, you know, it's, that's not how it works. You know, like you got to get a dead eyeball shot of them looking at you. And if you didn't get it, you got yelled at. And I was yelled at a lot for not getting, you know, Jennifer Aniston looking right dead into the camera you know, or, um, you know, missing a full length shot of, you know, Salma Hayek in whatever dress she was wearing, stuff like that. So it was hard, but it was a good learning experience. If you want to hear past episodes, please go to justagoodconversation.com. Let's take a quick break for our sponsor before diving into my conversation with Rodney Allen Rippey. Rodney, thank you for doing this. Man, it's good to be here this, with you. This is great. I can't believe I finally was able to get my arms around you and get you in here to sit down and, and talk Rodney. Yeah, man. Hey, we, we got away from, we got through this crazy uh, whirlwind of of panic, and, and here we are. We're doing I, good. Last time we saw it was before crazy, as I call it. Yes, before crazy, and, and you know, it was still standing. Yeah. <laughs> And I said this to you earlier, if I would have told you I got a movie script about this kind of crazy, you would have laughed me out of the house. Nobody would have believed it. Nobody. Nobody at all. Nope. But, you know, here we are. <laughs> We're doing fine. <laughs> yep. Thank you God. You look great for a man who just had a birthday, by the way. Yes, sir. Turned 53. and um, You don't look a day over 31. I feel good. Yeah, I feel good. I, you know, I try to try to get my rest, try to keep my brain in gear and... and um, just enjoy life, man. And, and you know, you, it, it's funny. A friend of mine, he has this saying. He goes, if you're square now, you'll be around later. <laughs> That's good. So That is good. I try to take that logic, you know, everything that, you know, the old crazy mind and your crazy friends might want to do. You got to sometimes it, it's cool to be square. Yeah. You have, you have to go, mm, nah, hey, man, I'm going to let you guys. Hang out. I gotta go home. I gotta go home. Get my yeah. hours of sleep. In. Yeah, exactly. Tell me, where did you grow up? Well, I was born uh, on the west side of Long Beach, California. I'm on the Long west side of Long Beach. West side. Do they native. split Long Beach like that back then, or you just? That's no, how, no, that was that's it. The, that's not the port side. Well, you're almost on the port side. Okay. The west side. That's more like down there, downtown, and you're almost. On the backside of Long Beach, 
and San Pedro Harbor City. Okay. That is the, all that harbor area, the yeah. harbor district. But I was on, you know, the west side of Long Beach. And the funny thing that split us was the flood control oh, on Willow. Okay. So if you go over to flood control, now you're headed towards East Long Beach. Okay. And so we lived on the west side and, and just a normal family. And, and uh, that's... That's where my career started. Did you see a lot of the harbor and ships as a kid? Did you, did your dad kind of take you and show you those believe big it, ships coming in and out? Believe it or not, I remember being a kid, and my dad. There was many of you people, the listeners out there, if you know Long Beach, on um, Long Beach Boulevard, there was Mike Salton's Pontiac. Okay, and that's where my dad had bought our. 455 Bondeville, this big old Bondeville, <laughs> root beer brown with brown interior. And um, my dad, my dad would sometimes take us down to downtown. And I remember being a little kid sitting in the back seat, just plastered up against the side, you know, the window in the back. And I would see the pike in Long Beach, but it was all boarded up. Right. And you could still see the roller coaster. And I'd say, Daddy, I want to go to the roller coaster. Oh, and my dad said, Rodney, that place been closed down for years. I said, but Daddy, you got a roller coaster out there. Daddy says, Rodney, I don't care if they got five roller coasters out there. <laughs> that place is closed. And I'm like, well, what are they doing with it? He said, Rodney, why are you asking me these questions? <laughs> you know, and I'm bugging Pop about going to the Pike, and you know, so for a little boy though, seeing that thing, it's it's right there. Yeah, it was right there. But now, lo and behold, the Pike is gone, and that's down down there where it's the the yard house, the aquariums the there aqua now, all that right. all that cool stuff right there. That's that's where. When it, you were a kid, you probably could have bought in that area for ten bucks. They were probably giving it away. Oh my goodness! I mean, you think about things now. And you go, man, if I had only knew, oh, sure. my, if you had only knew, if anybody would have known, right. you know, and it's those people that had that kind of like crazy long shot, like, I I'm going to buy this property. Right. I'm going to buy this. I'm going to sit on it, too. Sit on it too. Now it's worth, <laughs> you know, billions. Yeah. Mega millions of dollars, you know, and, and it's so it's so funny. It's just like, you know. You know, I'm a, you know, I'm into cars and collecting cars and stuff like that, and mess around with classics. And I just realized I had I had sold two '68 Camaros that I had, and one of them was a Rally Sport, and I sold them both on the same day. Oh boy! To these two guys that wanted, well, one guy wanted to buy one. And I told him, I said, well, you know anybody who wants to buy a second one? He goes, you got two Camaros? I go, yeah, I got two. He goes, I got a buddy looking one. So <laughs> they come over with cash. And I, I something told me, back out. Back out. Don't sell these cars. And I sold them. And I took the money and I invested it in a radio show. I had, I had my own radio show on uh, KIEV radio. Okay. Well, actually, it was Smart Talk 870. And I launched my own talk radio show and it, it was crazy and, and you know in hindsight I go why did you do that <laughs> you should have bought property in the pike yeah exactly <laughs> I should have bought a piece of property but but it's all good you know you live and learn and you and you just keep rolling and enjoying man did you have brothers and sisters yeah yeah actually I have a older brother Kenneth Wayne and my older sister my sister's the oldest of the family Beverly Lee actually we all were signed up at the time when I started getting into television, which we're skipping ahead, but um, 
you know, three and a half, as you know, that's where I got my start. Right. In, I mean, you, so you're the youngest little squirt in the house. I was the baby of the family. But at the time, I'll tell you how it all kind of got started. One afternoon, I was watching The Little Rascals, and my mom was washing dishes, and I'm laughing, and my mom comes Those in. Those were the best shows. Yeah. My mom comes in and goes, what's so funny? And I said, I'm watching The Little Rascals, and my mom's like, oh, you're laughing at buckwheat. And I'm like, yep. And she goes, what, you wouldn't be afraid to do that? What, you think you could do it? I'm like, yeah. She goes, wait a minute, you think you could be on TV? I'm like, yep. And she goes, you wouldn't be afraid of the lights and cameras? And I'm like, nope. So my mom goes over to the yellow pages. But now you're three and a half at the time. I'm three and a half at the time. Were you kind of the house clown? Did you no. make everybody laugh? And oh, we were always having fun. But, but were you? Did you try to stand out a little bit? Were you? No, fun? no. It was like the me, my brother, my sister. We were all like, it was funny. My dad, and he had a best friend when he first came to California back in the forties. Um, he came out here with two of his buddies. And he came out here with a guy named Bay Hall and another guy named James McMurray. These all these guys were from the Carolinas. Yeah. And they decided that they're gonna make a, you know, an exodus out of North Carolina and, <laughs> and, and come to California for work. Sure. So they all landed in California and we were just a middle class family, but the the Halls lived in Long Beach. So Bay Hall had several kids, and in my family, it was me and my brother and my sister. So whenever we would go over to the halls, it was talent night at the oh, halls. Okay. So while my dad and my mom and Miss Hall and Mr. Hall were sitting around laughing and having cocktails or whatever, telling war stories, the, we would entertain the family. Right. So whenever we went over, they'd been working on some comedy skit or the Supremes <laughs> and or whatever. So whenever we'd go over, we'd do these performances. And the parents had to vote who won. Oh. And so we would have all of this stuff and elaborate outfits. And they would they thought it was hilarious. But so whenever the halls would come to the Rippies, it was the Rippy talent show. Yeah, there so, we go. So everybody would battle back and forth. But so I guess over time. So you built some confidence up, those little guy. Yeah. Well, we had it. We all sure. had it. And so when... Mom came to me. She saw that natural, you know, that 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 coolness that I, I was cool with it. Yeah. So she picks up the Yellow Pages in 1972, and there were talent agents in the Yellow Pages. There were managers in the Yellow Pages. That's crazy. And my mom just starts dialing. She says, "Hey, my name's uh, Flossie Rippy. I have a son. He's really cute. And, and what do I need to do to get an agent?" And before you know it. My mom had me and my brother and sister all signed up with an agent. And everybody wanted in on this? Everybody wanted in on it. It was a little trial and error. We got, sure. We actually got hooked up with a, a like a scam. This guy, he had pretended to be an agent. From the Yellow Pages? From the Yellow Pages. And believe it or not, there was a building on Sunset which is the CNN building. Yeah, 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 yeah. That building used to be full of talent agents. Right. So when we went there the first time, there was this guy, it was just me and my mom, and this guy was a fast talker, and he was like, oh my God, oh, he's cute. And yeah, yeah, I can represent him uh, $500. And my mom goes, $500? He goes, oh yeah, that, that, you know, we gotta take pictures and get him an acting class. And he'll get him an acting class. And my mom said, well, wait a minute. He has a 
brother and sister too. Well, if they're anything like him, fifteen hundred dollars. And my mom, whoa, whoa, my, whoa, that's a whole lot of money. That was a whole lot of money. And my mom goes, "Well, don't you need to meet him?" Oh no, no, no. If they're anything like him, I'll take them. So my mom comes home. And there's no red flags, like no, because she doesn't know. She did not know, and so did she talk to dad? No. Well, she she came home, cooked a fabulous dinner. And, oh, she's buttering him yeah, up. Yeah, she's buttering him up. We're going to drop the bomb on him. <laughs> yeah. And so she says, uh, "Fred, I took Rodney up there to to meet the agent, and he he loved him, and he didn't even need to see Beverly and Kenneth. And he, he said he'll take all of them." And my dad says, "Well, what do we have to do?" He said, "It's uh, five hundred dollars a piece." He said, fifteen hundred dollars." Yeah, that's what it's going to cost, Fred. And my mom, my dad says, "Well, hey, this is your idea." If, if that's what you think, if, if you think that's what he said, you know where the money's at. It's in the bank. So my mom was like, oh, thank you. So mom goes down, gets a cashier's check. Oh, my God. And we come back to Hollywood. Mom hands him the 1500 And the guy looks at it. He's okay. Um, mm-hmm. Well, next week, we're going to get together. We'll get the headshots knocked out. Oh, I'll meet your his brother and sister. Oh, this is going to be great. They'll be stars. And my mom's like, all right. So we go home, and a couple days go by. A couple more days go by. A week goes by. Now, are you aware of this as a little guy? I mean, you're I'm, three and a half. I'm, I'm just following. I'm just going with the flow. Right. You're just following whatever everybody yeah, else does. I'm just following mom, you know, because and we're cool with it. And I remember one day my mom looks at me a week later, and she goes, Rodney, I haven't heard from this guy. And she goes, let's let's go to L.A. So we jump in the car from Long Beach. We go back to Hollywood. See, now that's an interesting conversation that a grown woman is having with her three-year-old son. Like, I think we got ripped off. Yeah. And my and and honestly, instead of grabbing a gun, she grabs a kid. Yeah. And my (laughs) well, my mom, she had a way of communicating in a way that. You know, she allowed you to be a child, but she was always imparting real knowledge and what she said meant something. And so when she looked at me, I knew it was serious. I'm like, well, you can see it in her. Yeah. I was like, what's wrong? And she's like, we got to go. We got, Let's go now. And I'm like, where are we going? She goes, we going to we going back to Hollywood. So we make a beeline back to Hollywood and we walk into the building and mom goes to knock on the door. And she's knocking on the door and she looks down the hallway and there was like three or four sets of family and their kids. And they're like, is there anybody in there? And they're pointing at the door. And my mom's like, what's going on? And they're like, is anybody in there? And my mom's like, what's happening? So my mom walks down there. And she goes, what's happening? And she goes, we paid this man some money for our pictures. And my mom goes, I did too. So my mom goes, hold it. Wait a minute, I'll be right back. So mama goes downstairs to the management office and says, is there anybody in 210 or whatever the room was? And the guy was like, my mom said, can you come and open that room up? Go up there. The guy comes with a key, opens the door. He's gone. Oh, so my God. He has basically cooked everybody, my, me and these Anybody three, he could. Everybody could. So now. And, and those are the people that just showed up. Right. And so those people were trying to find him, too. So apparently he told everybody next week and he was gone. So now the police get called and they send this one officer over from the Hollywood PD. 
And he's like, look, I'm a detective. This is the entertainment division. Um, Did all of you give him money? Yes. And then he hands everybody a sheet of paper, and it was SAG. And he goes, these are SAG-regulated agents. These are real agents. Do not give anybody any money. And everybody goes, who's SAG? Oh, boy. (laughs) Nobody knew. So now... Yeah, because it's pre-internet. Your poor mother couldn't look up like, what? Oh, no. What available certificates should I be looking for? Right. She's a first-time... Yeah. And, you know, and not, from the, not from the entertainment, and neither were these other families. Right. They had nobody to back. So, oh. so mom comes home, cooks another fantastic <laughs> dinner, and dad's sitting there having, you know, pork chops and green beans, and, and mom says, uh, Fred, uh... I got something to tell you. My dad's eating and he's all, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> yeah, what's he's going on? Greasy fingers. Yeah. Just- <laughs> he's enjoying himself. And she's like, Fred, that man took the money and disappeared. And he's like, what? Are you kidding me? I knew it. I knew we shouldn't have done this. And he, she's like, Fred, I didn't know. Oh, and so man. he was like, oh, my God. Then mom bust out this letter. These are SAG regulated agents. My dad said, I don't care who it is we're not putting any more money into it my mom goes no the officer said we're not supposed to pay any money up front so we went around and around and around finally my dad said look if you want to put the kids in this you can but we're not putting up any extra money so mom went through the list and she called the top number one agent and it was this lady named Dorothy Deotis. Now, how are your brother and sister during this? I was three and a half, and my brother, Kenneth, was like, I'm three and a half. Kenneth was like seven, and my sister was like 11. And they're still fine with this, still waiting to see what happens. We're waiting to see. Well, well what happens is, it turns out, turns out... Um, because <laughs> that could break your guys' heart. Really. Oh, it could have broke everything. Right. But mom talked to dad and said, look, let's let let's go meet another agent, one of these real agents, and see what happens. So we met with Dorothy Deotis, and it turned out, Dorothy said, no, there's no money up front. I, if I like them, I'll represent them. Yes, you're going to have to get some pictures done, but that's it. And I don't make money unless you make money. So they're like, she was like, really? So... We signed with Dorothy Day Otis. My sister got called out on a few auditions, okay. and she landed the first job. She landed uh, a commercial for Banquet's Fried Chicken, the frozen, <laughs> you know, in the, in the yeah. food section. And then my brother got called out for the old Coca-Cola commercial. I like to teach the uh-huh. world to sing. And so I was a baby at a bunch, and I finally the phone rang, and that was the Jack in the Box campaign. And so J- that was that... Jack in the Box was prior to Blazing Saddles? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was the whole start of yeah, it all. Yeah, three and a half. You were such a little guy. Yeah. So, turns out, the phone rings, and it's Dorothy, and she said, you know, Jack in the Box, they're, they're, they're in dire straits. They might be losing the company, and they got one last shot. And they're going to do a huge campaign. It's a cattle call. There's 100 kids called in. Take Rodney in. It's a long shot, but take him in. So my mom takes me in, 40 audition, and I walk in 
And literally, there's a hundred kids oh, there. Oh God! Must yeah. And my, I mean, little white kids, black, Latino, Asian. They got, Everything. They're in suits, pigtails. They got bow ties on. And my mom's like, "Oh my God! Look at all these cute kids." What did what did what have what have you been told you wore that day? Oh, I was just like in blue jeans and this little like, like fl- fl- you know, kind of like checkered shirt, you right? Know? And. Because mom doesn't know any better. No, mom doesn't know. And so we're sitting there in the lobby, and we've signed in, and my mom is sitting here thinking. I mean, you could see her wheels turning. And she says, Rodney, I smell food. Can you smell it? And I'm like, yeah. She goes, they're cooking. They're going to give you something to eat. She said, remember the manners I taught you. Don't talk with your mouth full. Don't put your elbows on the table. So my mom is whispering this stuff in my ears with the other parents. Sure. Right? You know. Oh, it's a packed lobby, yeah. I'm sure. Kids and, everywhere, right. screaming, hollering. S- screaming, talking. And my mom is like like schooling me what not to do, how to handle myself. So finally they call me. And I, my, they go, you know, Rodney Rippey, come on in. And my mom grabs me and she grabs me by the hand. She goes, come on. And she walks me to the door, and she stoops down on one knee and looks at me. You know, I'm a little three oh, and a half. Yeah. And she goes, I can't go any further. She said, you're going to have to do this. She said, I cannot go in this room with you. You're going to have to do this. She said, remember what I told you. Don't talk with your mouth full. Sit up real pretty, and good luck. And she kisses me on the cheek and opens the door and pushes me in. <laughs> and... And so I walk in this room, and sure enough, there's a guy sitting there. He has like a little eight millimeter camera on a tripod. And inside this little room, at the back was this lady with like this hot plate, and she's cooking up fresh jumbo jacks for every kid. She had this big, tall plastic bag full of buns. That so, poor woman must and so she's in there. All yeah, she, she's in there cutting tomatoes and she's got heads of lettuce and so she's building these over and over and over again. Over and over again. Holy moly. So every kid got a burger. So the guy tells me to take a seat. I sit down at this white acrylic table and she plops this big old burger down and I'm like, man, I want to attack this thing. But I'm like, don't touch it, Rodney. Don't touch it. And so the commercial starts, the casting says, hey, haven't I seen you on TV before? And I said, yeah. And he goes, what's your name? And I said, Rodney, Rodney what? Rodney Allen Rippey, what's that in front of you? I said, that's the Jumbo Jack from Jack in the Box. And he said, do you think you could get a bite out of it? And I looked at it and I shook my head. I said, it's too big to eat. He said, well, pick it up and take a bite. So I picked it up and I took this huge bite and he said, tell me how you like it. And I remember what my mom said. I said, I can't talk. My mouth's full. And he died laughing. And he just said, oh, my God, you can go. You can go. So I am I get up. I'm like, that's it. He goes, you can leave. So as I'm going out the door, I open the door. And my mom is right outside the door, right where I left her, kind of like eavesdropping. And she sees this guy roll off the couch on his knees laughing hysterically. And she's like, oh, my God, they laughed him out of here. Let's go. So my mom grabs my hand. I'm still chewing, by the oh, way. Oh, because she only has half the story. She, she, has, she has half the story. So she whisked me across the room, 
out the side door. Kind of embarrassed? Embarrassed. And we're out back now. What did you do? And she's like, <laughs> why was that man laughing at you? And I go, and I'm still chewing. You still got food in your I mouth. Still, and my mom's like, chew, boy, chew. Talk to me, chew. Why, why do you have so much food in your mouth? Chew, chew, chew. She's like, oh, my God. Swallow, swallow. So I finally finished eating the burger. And she goes, why was that guy laughing at you? And I said, Mom, he gave me, he asked me my name. He asked me, he finally told me to take a bite of the burger. I took a bite. He asked me, to, how did I like it? I said, I can't talk. My mouth's full. And he died laughing. And my mom was like, was it a good laugh or a bad laugh? I said, Mom, well, you just laughed at me. <laughs> yeah, it's all the same to you. And my mom said, okay, let's go, Rodney. And my mom was like, oh. Now, that's interesting. They didn't, like, say, Mr. Ripley, here's here's a piece of paper or fill this out. or they No. Can, no they you, just whoop, let you go. Yeah, that was it. We walked out the door. My mom thought that was it. So we go. Gosh, she might not have ever come back. We got in the car, headed from Hollywood back to Long Beach. So when we get to Long Beach, 30 minutes away, I could tell my mom was troubled. I'm sitting in the back seat, and I'm like, Mom, can I go play? She goes, yeah, Rodney, go play. And I get out of the car, and I just <laughs> go and sit in the front yard and start pulling grass like right. a little kid would do. And my mom walks in the house, and I could tell she was a little bummed because she, you know, she saw this guy laughing at her baby. Right. About an hour and a half goes by, my agent calls. Flossie. This is Dorothy. Dorothy. Yeah. Flossie, they love him. He's got a call back. Take him back tomorrow. They're cutting a field of 50. Rodney's going in number one. And my mom's like, are you kidding me? They laughed him out of the place. My mom, my agent said, Flossie, whatever he did, they love him. Take him back tomorrow. He's got a call back. So we show up again. My name is number one. I didn't even have to sign in. As soon as I got there, there were like 50 other parents there. They're like, Hey, Rodney, come on in. Did you recognize any of the kids from the day before? Oh, yeah. There was half okay. of them. Everybody's still all decked out. You know, we come in. I go in the room. The lady has another burger waiting for me. Same kind of setup? Same setup. So nothing's changed. More people. More people. Okay. More people. Of course, as you know, now, now the executives show now up. Now the executives <laughs> show up. And they're all standing there. And they're all, hey, Rodney, how you doing? I'm like, hey. I'm like, God, it's like a party in here, you know? And they're like, hey, Rodney. Everybody knows your name, too, so now it's cool. Exactly. And they said, look, Rodney, look what we got for you. And I'm like, that's for me? They were like, that's yours. I said, for me? They were like, yeah, have it. It's yours. And I was like, this is a trick. I'm like, well, hey, he gave me the burger. And I sit down, and I tear into this burger, and they just die laughing. And they said, get his mother in here. So they call my mom to the door. And Miss Rippy, can you please come in? And my mom's like, oh, my God, what now? Why are they calling me into the room? What has he done? So my mom comes in. Your poor mother. She must have just been terrified. She oh, doesn't she know was, any better. She doesn't know. She's sweating bullets. And she walks in and she looks at me with the eyes like Rodney. She's why? trying to yeah, read yeah. minds. Yeah. What yeah. did She's you do, like, boy? Like, what, what <laughs> is going on? And the guy goes, he's our guy. And my mom's like. What do you, what, what do you, I don't, I don't understand. She goes, he goes, no, he's our guy. They were done. They said, we're done. My mom said, wait a minute. What about all these people out there? He goes, oh, no, no, no. You don't have to worry about them, Miss Ruby. We'll handle them. My mom goes, wait a minute. Is that fair? Oh, no, no, no. 
We know what we want. Right. They see the and winning horse. This guy goes to the door, opens the door, and sticks his head out and goes, hey, everybody, thanks for coming. We really appreciate it. We're closing casting now. Thank you. We're, we're so sorry. Thank you for coming in. And close casting. And shuts the door. And my mom was like, hey, can you do that? They go, Miss Ribby, we got this. Don't worry about it. And they they gather around and everybody's talking to me and I'm sitting here having a burger and my mom's head is like just spinning watching this whole thing fast forward 14 years later Jack in the Box I had a the campaign spun off into a doll from Mattel toy it spun off into my album. I had that doll too. That's so crazy. And my album. Right. right. Did you have a drawstring? Yes. And it would talk. Yeah. And that was that was a deal with Mattel Toy. You were my buddy. We used to play football a lot, Rodney. I'm there just letting you, you know. <laughs> That's so good. And you know, it it turned out, man, that that was the start of the Jack in the Box campaign. It ran for 14 years. The I mean, that's just your poor mother. The, the 48 hour period where she just doesn't know what's happening. And don't have a clue. Right. But, but it turned out to be. So, but she had, she had a bit of experience with your brother and sister, right? Because they already yeah. had, they already had some. Right. But did you think she was a little more protective because this is the baby? Well, my mom was worried about all of us and she was like watching this whole thing. Or happen. was it the laughing? It was, I think it was more or less the laughing because just. For her to see this guy laughing at me, and, and I'm, I'm walking out of the room chewing. Right. And my mom's like, what just happened? Because she, she wasn't in the room. Sure, she didn't know. She did not know. But And you can only explain so much of the story. At, at three and a half, and I'm trying to explain, and she's trying to extrapolate, like, the real story out of my little three and a half year, three and a half year old explanation. And my mom's like, I, I just don't know what happened. Right. She was like. Something something's weird. Right. So you couldn't tell her no, mom. He actually busted <laughs> up laughing because I hit the mark. Like right. I nailed yeah. it. Yeah. And I couldn't explain it. Right. Because you're if you're a first time, we have no clue. And it was my first audition, no training, nothing. Now, have you ever been on the other side of that where you've been in that hallway and they say casting's done? You know what? There were jobs that, you know, it was funny. You know, being an actor, you don't get all the jobs. There are jobs right. that you think you're going to get. I mean, you can have the best read. You can fill it. And sometimes you just don't get it. That's why they tell you in Hollywood, don't marry the product. Right. You're not going if to. You, if you feel like, oh, my God, I didn't get this role and, and it's going to depress you. Hollywood's not it because sometimes casting makes the wrong call. I mean, you can feel like. I own this. I am this character. I mean, really, I have had characters. I'm like, when you read the description, I'm like, that's really me. I mean, I really feel this character. But if casting goes a different direction, maybe it's a look. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's something quirky that they're just looking for that might not be you. Or the other guy just might be better. Could be better. You don't know what that other kid just laid down. You don't know. Right? You never know. Because I bet before you walked into that room, there was another kid going, I nailed it, Mom. Yeah. I nailed it. Right. They all laughed and they thought I was great. Yeah. And then this cute little kid comes in and <laughs> has good manners. Yeah, you go. You never know. It, right. It's a combination of things. And the fact is, you know, when you're a little kid, you know, when you learn to say your name, you say your whole name. Right. So my name got printed. Because they took the audition and made it the very first Jack in the Box commercial. 
Right. That's what I remember. So that's what that's how that name got imprinted in entertainment. And so till this day, the Allen's always stuck. Rodney a, Allen Rippey. And so people remember, go, where did I hear this name? And they go, that was the, the burger commercial. Thank God you had a good middle name. Yeah, was exactly. it like Tobias or something <laughs> yeah, really long? It was groovy. And, yeah. It was, hey, Allen was groovy. So yeah, it, it was a good worked. one. It worked out well. Yeah. So as a little guy, I mean, three and a half, you're a squirt. Yep. What in those years, do that? let's say that first year, mm -hmm. what can you remember how, because you're not even in preschool yet or kindergarten. Right. So what was that year like for you with being on TV, seeing yourself on TV, explaining to your family and friends like, mm -hmm. that's me. You know, your dad and your parents probably had friends that are seeing you on TV for the first time ever. Right, right. Well, it must have been, you know, for a three and a half year old, what do you remember of that? You know what? It reminded, what you're saying is it reminds me of being a little kid and I just felt like I had a lot of friends. Sure. When you're a kid, you know, what matters is your friends. Right. And people go, hey, Rodney. I was like, God, I got a lot of friends, <laughs> you know? And then there's the, the, Ebony Magazine cover. And I remember my parents having Ebony Magazine. Sure, that was a standard, I right? I remember Jet Magazine. My parents oh, yes. had a subscription to it, you know. And boom, I'm on the cover. And my mom was like, look, Rodney, you're on the cover of Jet. Okay, so think about that. Like, <laughs> did you even know or ever even browse through those magazines? If oh, I said, yeah. Okay, so you kicked through them. Yeah. Did you ever in your wildest dreams think that anybody, not you, anybody in your family would be on that cover? Didn't have a clue. Because you probably saw the Jacksons. Of course. Right? Or yeah. who else might have been on it back oh, then? Man. Sammy? Sammy Davis Jr. And, uh, and, 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 and gosh. Uh, in the 70s at that point. Yeah, you're talking about, you know. Fox? Would have, a red uh, Fox. Right. People like, and, and these Richard things, would have been on it Richard, prior. Prior. These people were laying on my parents' coffee table. So, I identified with them, but now as an adult, the reason why I was so calm, and I, I finally figured it out, I envisioned myself being one of the gang. So when my mom asked me, do you think you could do that? I just wanted to play with the gang inside the TV. I saw the television and the screen like a real world, and I wanted to be part of the gang, because they were always into right. something and having yep. fun. So, Always getting into mischief right. and being fun. So I drink, you know, as a, at three and a half, I was like, yeah, I want to be like, I want to be gang. in the gang. I want to be in the gang. That's crazy to think. I mean, so what was it like for that photo shoot to be on that cover? It was great. You know, it was funny because. How old are you at this point? It, you know, now I'm getting up to be five. Okay. You know, I'm going into age five. We've got the deal with uh, Mattel toy with the doll. They decide one of the, the Jack in the Box commercials, they put this jingle together called Take Life. Well, the jingle was Take Life a Little Easier. And that was the hook in the commercial. You can grab a bike without going far, pack up the kids and crank up the car. Come as you like, come as you are, the Jack in the Box. No need to fuss, just leave it to Jack. To whip up a lunch or in between snack. Dinner for six. We got the knack at Jack in the Box. Take life a little easier. So they had this huge <laughs> That was chorus. great. That was the commercial. And then that song 
became the title of my album. Wow. Take Life a Little yeah. Easier, which made me the youngest person till this day to chart, right? to chart on Billboard. I mean, you had so many little things happening. I mean, they're mega things, but in your life, little like getting a record, being on a magazine cover, that today it would be so well documented, right? Your mom might be taking more photos because she's got her phone yeah. and she's got Snapchat and she's on Instagram <laughs> right. and she's Facebooking. Are there any moments where your mom was like, hey, um, let me take a picture of you before you have your photo shoot or you sing an album cover? Is there any kind of family no. photos of you from oh. an old Kodak 110? Oh, we've got tons of pictures back home. But here's the fun part. Mom was an industrious woman. I mean, she was a housewife extraordinaire. She was a mom of all moms, literally. She and was the great she woman. Was, she was the great woman. She was a virtuous oh, woman. Oh, we need more women like that. And when we got into this thing, my mom was the type who loved to sew. So if you start going back and you start pulling images, which I'm going to send you one, you should see my outfit. I look like a freaking rock star because <laughs> my mom was my designer. And she. I remember there was a, a, a jean outfit. And I remember mom took me to downtown Long Beach to the fabric store and she walked in there and she's picking up like five or six different yards and bolts of different color blue jean, dark blue, light blue, acid wash. She was buying all these blue jeans and my mom made this outfit, this blue jean bell bottom outfit. And the back of it had rhinestones on it. I looked like a freaking rock star. You look like a little James Brown. I did at five. And when I would go out and when I would make an appearance, they'd say, look at Rodney's outfit. And my mom would stand there real smug and like wouldn't. And they were like, who is his designer? And my mom wouldn't say anything. It was her. See, that is not funny because today you would have a design deal. Oh, with yeah. Tom Ford or Ralph Lauren oh, yeah. or somebody, right? That was my mom. But then it was mom. It was mom. Crushing it. Crushing it. That's awesome. <laughs> yep. What What do you think drove her to just, do that? So, like, just to, like... Raw talent. Raw talent. My mom was a, you know, a woman from North Carolina. And, you know, as a young girl, she sewed. And she worked... Actually, she worked as a seamstress at one time. Okay. With her and her sister, my auntie. And she just had that type of skill. I remember, I'll tell you a story. One time, it was my mom's birthday, and my dad said to my mom, well, it's your birthday. What do you want? Oh, I don't know, Fred. And he, he goes, no, it's your birthday. What do you want? And she goes, I'd really like a new sewing machine. You know, down at the downtown Long Beach at the Singer store, they got this sewing machine and it does this zigzag stitch and it's got a double bob on it and you could and my dad was like oh okay 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 well how much is it and she was like well he goes well how much is it and she's like i think it's like 399 dollars 399 he goes man can't you get a little cheaper birthday gift than that well fred forget it i just told you you asked me what i wanted <laughs> so my dad was like man you need to figure out something else so he gets up from the table and he goes, walks out of the room. And so later that night, my dad comes up and says, hey, Rodney, 
your mom, he goes, you go to the fabric store with your mom. Do you know anything about the sewing machine? I go, yeah, daddy. I know the very one. She's always touching <laughs> she's it. She's telling me. I always see her. She always goes in there and she's messing with it. He goes, okay. He goes, me and you going to take a little road trip. So me and my dad jump in the car. Ah, uh, his little spy. Yeah. <laughs> and he, take, he goes, take me. So we get to the singer store. Your poor father wouldn't know which one. No. If someone held a gun to his he head. He wouldn't have a clue. And I said, there it is, daddy. That's the one. That's the one that mama's always touching. He goes, that's it. Are you sure? I go, that's it, daddy. That one. And sure enough, he looks at the tag. It's like $3.99. My dad's like, God. And he buys it. And so he tells me, don't tell your mother. Don't say anything. This is a, se this mm -hmm. is a secret. I said, okay. So he takes it and he hides it in the trunk of the Bondaville. <laughs> and so a couple of days later is our birthday. He gets it all wrapped up. And then he sneaks out and mom's back in the back somewhere. And he comes and sits it on the, on the kitchen table. And he goes, hey, come in here for a second. So my mom walks in and boom, there's this big box sitting on the kitchen table she goes what's that Fred he goes happy birthday go ahead and open it up and she tears into it and it's her her dream sewing machine oh Fred you got my sewing machine <laughs> yep he goes you better enjoy it because that thing was expensive oh Fred she hugs him and kisses him and man she said I can't wait the next day boom me and mom are in the car again going down to the fabric <laughs> store mom comes back with all this fabric man she made curtains for all the windows. She made everybody wool pajamas. And she just went to work. You guys must have been decked out. We Rodney. all were decked out. And so it turns out that was the type of mom I had. You know, that she was just a fantastic person, great communicator, didn't take any bull. Fair. I mean, sure. Fair. I mean, she'd tell you, Rodney, don't do this. Rodney. Did I not tell you, knock it off. Next time she had to drop some paint on you. Uh -huh. <laughs> exactly. And, and so she would go flying across yeah, the room. Then I learned, you know, dang, mama gave you two warnings, dude. Don't take, the third one is going <laughs> to equal something that's not nice. So I learned at an early age, mama's going to give you a warning shot. <laughs> the second time, hit the brakes. Whatever you're doing, whatever she's talking to you about, adhere to it because it's going to get ugly after that and i realized after i made that connection it was cool right and so but but i think that you know i look at you know child rearing you know and, and i'm not one to you know i never would advocate anybody but you have to guide a child there has to be responsibility there has to be a little bit of love and respect and a little bit of fear because if a child does not have that type of respect for their own mother and father they're not going to respect the person in the street they're not going to respect their teachers right. they're not going to respect law enforcement they're not going to respect the little elderly man or woman in the streets and i remember being a kid growing up in long beach we were just rockhead little kids but everybody's parents were watching everybody. And if you were cutting up or doing something goofy, your freaking phone would ring. And they'd be like, hey, Fred, how you doing? Man, I seen Rodney doing such and such. You know, it was on. Right. Nowadays, you know, that is where the world has kind of gotten away from that. You know, it takes a village to raise a mm -hmm. child because a lot of times the village is jacked up. Right. So 
But I'm thankful that I had, you know, I was... You had a great mom. I had a great mom, great family. Thank God, you know, and they lived by example. And, you know, and I, I'm a type of person, I'm very real. And I tell people all the time, I'm like, you know, we always had an awareness of God and, and a higher authority and things like that. But we didn't go to church every Sunday, but it was a thing that... I saw the example. I saw how hard my dad worked. I saw the respect that he gave her, my he, mom. He worked for the city, didn't my he? Da- my dad was a trash man. Yeah. He retired from the city of Long Beach as a trash So in the height of all this craziness, my dad was a trash man and just a normal guy. Just normal dude? Normal dude. So what was it like for dad? Mom's doing all this. She's dragging kids from you know, one thing to another, and dad's just humping trash. Was it getting back to him? Like, did his his guys see you and say, hey, Fred, did I just see Rodney, like, wrestle a hamburger on TV? Well, the funny part was dad was real down low. He didn't say nothing. He didn't He didn't admit to nothing. And Not nobody, my kid. Nobody, <laughs> nobody tied two and two together. They might not have ever known you. Well, the whole right? thing was, like, what's the, I mean, Rippy's a, you know, my, they knew my dad, but they didn't know my dad had me as a son so the funny part was life uh not life um ebony magazine came through to do a story on me cover cover story and the funny part was at the end of the interview the guy goes fred wow this is great man you're what a family rodney and beverly and kenneth and you're an incredible man. What do you do? And my dad's like, no, 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 no. You don't need to talk to me. He's like, just, just keep up, keep it on Rodney and the kids. No, 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 Fred. We want to know what do you do. My dad goes, no, leave me out of it. I don't need to be in this. This is Rodney's interview and the kids. Oh, come on, Fred. What do you do? My dad goes, look, man. I'm a trash man. That's all I am. And the guy goes, this is great. Oh my God, this is great. Can't we come down to your job? My dad's like, no, 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 no. No, man, no. You don't need to come down to my job. No, 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 no. No, just thank you. Appreciate it. No. Okay, Fred. Here goes the funny part. So my dad goes to work like a week later, and he's on the trash truck. He pulls out of the yard on Willow where all the trash trucks were parked. It's you know, six o'clock in the morning. Right. He's hitting his route with his partner and his driver. And the dude, his partner says, hey, Fred, there's this car following us. Every corner we hit, there's a car following us. And my dad's like, really? He goes, man, I think it's the city following us. And he goes, man, you got your back brace on. He goes, hey, when you grab this trash, we got to make sure we clean up and use your, your legs, man, because they're watching us. So my dad's thinking it's the city following him. So every time my dad's like, no, nah, they're not following us. He goes, Fred, we took a right. They're taking a right. They're following us. And my dad's like, okay, so, hey, let's be tight. So every time dad would get out, he's pretending like he's not seeing them. So he's not even looking at them. He's grabbing the trash. He's dumping it in. They're clean. They're picking up everything. They get on the truck, go to the next thing. So... That's it. So this thing, this this car follows them for like 15, 20 minutes. And then finally it peels off. And my dad goes, yeah, man, I think that was the city following us. Well, a month later, my dad goes into work. And this dude holds the Ebony magazine with me on the cover. Fred, man, you didn't. 
tell me that Rodney was your son? And my dad's like, what are you talking about? He goes, look, Fred, they got you in the magazine. There is a picture of my dad oh, on the trash no. truck. They were t- popping shots with a telephoto lens of my dad. Paparazzi oh. in 1974. Oh, my God. They didn't even ask permission. They just followed him on the route for and, a while. And he is thrust into instant stardom. So His boys must have busted his chops. They busted his chops. And they were like, Fred, man, what are you working here for, man? You got Rodney. Hey, stop, stop, <laughs> stop. <laughs> this has nothing to do with me. I ain't quitting my job. That's Rodney. That's his mama and Rodney. <laughs> so, and, they, and they just dog him out. And my dad goes from being just one of the guys to being the father of Rodney. The father of Rodney. And that's a true story. You can oh even, my if God. you pick up, I'll, I'll send you some pictures <laughs> of, of the magazine. Your poor father thrust into stardom and he wanted no part of it. Right. And so it turns out, dad was just, we were just a normal family. But when I got the call to do the Johnny Carson show, that's when my dad goes, I'm going to that. Because he, he, he loved Carson every night. Dad would, you know, sit after the dinner, monologue, he would sit there and watch Johnny Carson before going to bed. Because, yeah, he got your dad probably got up early. Yeah, he got up at like 530 and he was out the door. At so he was a monologue guy. The, the yep. people that got through the monologue and went mm-hmm. to bed. And so dad said when the call came in that I was going to do the Johnny Carson show, my dad said, I'm going to that. I got to go. So now that was the one time that my dad got excited about, you know, meeting Johnny. And so he just got to meet Johnny. Got to meet Johnny. Because he come to the green room. He, room. Everything. Everything. And so I worked with the greats from Sammy Davis Jr. to George Burns to Louis Gossett Jr. and Mel Brooks, of course, because of Blazing Saddles. Right. So it wasn't it wasn't anybody that we didn't get a chance to so meet. So let's cut into that pie. Like, what was it like with Mel? Funny. Right. Hilarious. So you auditioned for that role. It's a very small role, but no, but the funny thing was that was a call that came in specifically and it was not an audition. That was, hey, it's Mel Brooks production. They're doing this crazy thing called Blazing Saddles. Mel wants Rodney in it. Where'd because, you go out to the desert somewhere? It was actually out in like Simi, like Simi Valley. Okay. They shot it like out in Simi. So they and just put you on the wagon, so do the a couple whole, of circles. So, so no, the whole thing was I was actually supposed to be all throughout the whole movie, like this little lone black kid just wandering with no parents. Wait a minute, that was originally your the original. I was in like in all the scenes. So you worked the whole movie but as when, a wandering black child. As a lone wandering black child. But the problem was when they started editing it, his, yeah, yeah. I got cut out of all these scenes, but I ended up in the main prominent scene that he really wanted. But they thought it would have been funny to have me in the, the, the you know, the bean scene around the fire right. and everything. Like the camera pans and there's this little black kid sitting there with all these cowboys <laughs> and everybody's, you know. Having having their trouble with the beans at yeah. you know, the fire. There's you yeah. leaning over. Her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it turns out that I, I ended up in the main scene, and it, it was just you know work with people like that. What was it meet, like meeting Carson? Did you understand how important that was? I did know because I I used to watch my dad watching Johnny Carson. You so, would stay up that late. Oh yeah. Yeah, and understood the importance. I understood. I, I I saw how my dad enjoyed it, because that was the king. 
Yeah, he was a king. There was nobody greater in late night. So you came down, sat on that little couch. Sat on the couch. And so, and there Ed's were, to your right. And yeah. Johnny and there. We did. I did all the shows from, God, I did the Merv Griffin show and Mike Douglas, Dinah Shore. Uh, you know, God, I, you were such a little toast of to the town, felt a little squirt. Yeah, and we and we traveled. Me and my mom traveled from coast to coast, and you ended up going to Europe, right? Yep, we went to London. I performed my album in London. What was it like for you to record an album? I mean, because you you weren't a trained singer, you've never been in the studio before. Nope. So when they bring this forth to you and say, "Hey, we'd like to have Rodney do an album," they gave me the lyrics, they gave me the song. My mom drilled with me. And I got the songs memorized, and we go in the studio and lay it down. God, your mother put in some work. She, but it was fun for her. Right, right. And, but still, and, and it was nothing in it for her. Right. It, it was not like, oh, I'm gonna. He's my cash cow. My mom was just having a, a blast seeing her little baby get out there and just make people laugh and make people smile. And my mom would just stand back. And the funny thing was, I also had my big afro. Right. Yeah, you- <laughs> and so it was the funniest scene. I remember one time I was on a set, and they had brought in, you know, and now probably things are quite different, which it is. But at that time, at that taping, they had a a Caucasian lady that was doing hair and makeup, and so my mom was standing there. Oh no! And the lady was trying to work on my fro, and so she is. She first. Did your of all, mom have a fro? Yeah, my mom. My mom had her hair all you know. Beautiful. Did dad have a fro? Dad had a fro. Okay, so you're dad, you're kind of like with. I'm I'm a, I'm a copy of pop. Okay, so I got this big gigantic fro like my pop, and, and so, she has no clue, does she? And she, the lady, was having trouble. So my mom is standing there, and this lady's like, she's got the wrong type of comb, and she's combing my hair, and she has she a regular comb. Yeah, and she's trying not to hurt me. And and my mom said, "Excuse me, are 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 you having a little difficulty?" Oh no, I'm just trying to get it beautiful like you do it. And my was mom was trying to shape it, trying to shape it, and she's oh. and she's fighting and she she's trying to brush it. And my mom is like, "Oh my God, she's gonna jack his fro up. <laughs> it's so, gonna be all off on yeah, one it's side. Gonna be, it's all gonna be lopsided." So my mom <laughs> my mom said to the lady. Can I help you? Oh, no, I got it. My mom said, well, baby, you used the wrong kind of comb on his hair. Uh, and my mom said, let, let me show you. And so, meanwhile, the, the production's waiting on this lady teasing oh my hair. My mom whips out this pick out of sure. her purse and picks my fro. She and, knows what she does. She She's, whips it. She picks it out. And then she reaches, it. No, she reaches into her pocket and pulls out a handkerchief. Right. And throws this handkerchief over my head and pats it into this purple, perfect spiral and just lifts it off. And she goes, that's how you make it so round and beautiful. Oh, my God. That's wonderful. And the, the guy, the director, comes over and taps my mom and goes, can I speak to you, Miss Rippy? And I take my mom to the side. And while they're talking to my mom, this other guy taps her and they dismiss her. Oh, 
And my and they go, well, okay, Miss Rippy, you're gonna be doing Rodney's hair for the rest of the shoot. And my mom goes, no, no, no. What, what about the other lady? Oh, no, 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 Miss Rippy, nobody can do your hair, do Rodney's hair like you. So you're gonna do it, and we're gonna pay you for it. My mom's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to pay me. Oh, no, no, no. We insist. And so my mom ends up doing my hair. <laughs> so the poor woman had never had a chance. <laughs> never had a she chance. Just, she had probably never, no, probably never not. worked on any but a black person's hair before. No, period. And, and that's just the way it happens. Right, it's a cultural thing. She had no clue. Yeah, proper pick. Again, and the hand twenty twenty one. Of course, there's some, there's everybody she could gone get to the down. back and she would have YouTube it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. There okay, you go. I got it. No right. problem. No YouTube then. None. 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 She was like, so they're scratching. Look at this poor kid going. I have no idea. Yeah. So she was she was trying to do it, but it, it just didn't work out. What was it like working with Sammy? I love Sammy. <sighs> just amazing because I knew who he was, and you know when my when we got the call. My mom's Rodney. Sammy Davis Jr. is a big, big star. And I'm like, really? She goes, Rodney, he is huge. And so she explained to me, and sure enough, when we met him, you saw just how people reacted to him backstage. They were like, oh, it was like they were freaking. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, if I saw people in production freaking, I was like, yeah, that that's him. That's that's Sammy. And so oh, he's a rat pack. He's a legend. Yes. And so we did this little dance number together, the soft shoe deal. And um, it was how beautiful. was that? I mean, working with him. How was that? Amazing. Did you guys talk? Yeah, we talked. What was he like? He was I mean, just, you... he was just very cool. Well, we did. We met and they, you know, of course, they took me in the wardrobe and we both were in like these black tuxedos and, he, you know, Literally, I was like a copycat of him. Oh, that's and, so nice. And then we go out and we do this dance number. But when we finish, he apparently he had a cold. And so as soon as we finished the taping, he turns to me and he goes, kid, I got to go. I got this terrible cold. I don't want to get you sick. And he goes, it was great working, on, working with you. And he goes, you know, you remind me of myself when I was your age. And he said, great work with you. See you again. And he walks away, and I tell my mom, I go, Mom, I, Sammy was sick. He had a cold. And then my mom goes, yeah, Rodney, he travels the world. That's a busy man. And I go, Mom, I want to send him a get well card. And my mom goes, Rodney, how do you expect me to get Sammy Davis Jr. a get well card? And I, and she, I go, give it to my agent. And so it turns out she, we end up getting a little card. And believe it or not, we send it off to my agent. My agent gets it to Sammy, and he sends me a, a thank you letter for sending him a get well card. Wow. Hand sign. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Now you would have sent him an email yeah. or an emoji, but then well, I mean, it's a handwritten letter. Handwritten letter on his letterhead. And I still have it till this day. Oh, yeah. No, that's so, got, that does, you don't sell that with a Camaro. Oh, no, no, no. no, no. no. There's certain things that I, I I'm definitely have a, and that's pure legend status. That that's they yeah. don't make them like that, and they never will. Nope, nope, nope. I I, I love his stuff. And yeah, that's so how old were you at the time? Five. You guys I mean, are probably the same height then. <laughs> <laughs> if you were six, you're probably taller than him. Yeah, no, he's a little bit bigger. <laughs> yeah. But it was it was just awesome working with him, you know. And and like with so many other people, and then you know, from there it was like. 
the American Music Awards and all these different things. Like yeah, I, you're telling the Carpenters they win. You're doing yep. all this stuff. Because uh, you know, yep. that's when... I'm three and a half and mm-hmm. you're starting to get, and I'm starting to like, like this kid's cool. Wow. He's <laughs> on TV. So I'm seeing you thinking, wow, he's awesome. Well, that's cool. Right. It's, it's, yep. So it's funny. Like those little things you remember, mm-hmm. the, do you, do you have more younger memories because they were so vibrant and rich for like a five-year-old like being taken to award shows and stuff do you think your memories as a child are more embedded in your head i hate to tell you i have a a memory like an elephant seriously i mean i remember my very first audition i remember conversations from three and a half and even till this day i mean when i went home from my high school reunion i was telling stories about stuff that happened in high school and they were like, that did happen. <laughs> I, they were like, how do you remember all this stuff? And I'm like, dude, I said, those were good times. You don't remember that? And they were and they were like, I do remember that. And, and you know, I had to refresh people and really dig and shake up the gray matter in some of my classmates. But the funny thing is, it was so impactful. It was so beautiful. It's unforgettable. I, it, just, it just was unforgettable. Growing up in Long Beach, being one of the guys in the neighborhood. It was funny. I was telling <laughs> And you did it in the 70s, which is kind of the last, last golden era. I'll tell you a funny story. This is terrible. I shouldn't tell this. <laughs> tell me. Tell me. <laughs> I remember being in Long Beach, a little kid. By this time, I was probably about, I don't know, I probably had to be around eight. And remember when Vanessa Williams posed for, for yeah. Penthouse? Yes. We were well. They got the photos from yeah, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. But it was she actually she it was had on won, the, right? Yeah. She won Miss America, but she ended up on the cover. Yeah, and I'll never forget it. We were just these rockhead kids in Long Beach, and this dude comes flying in my driveway. Hey, hey, man, did you hear? We're like, what? Vanessa Williams is in the magazine, and we're like, what? And so now this whole cavalcade of brothers. <laughs> Racing to the nearest liquor store to try to see this magazine. And I just remember being in there with all my my brother's older friends and they were in junior high school and it was a big deal. It was a it was it was a scandal. It was I mean it was scandalous, you know, it was huge. But, right. But the funny She was Miss America. She I think she was the first black Miss America, yes, right? Yes. So then there was that twist yeah. and then she's new, she posed nude. Yeah. Like earlier in her career, yeah. then they yeah. penthouse bottom. And, yeah. And they were nothing. Right. If you look at it today, you're like, she, she just did artful nude <laughs> posing. Beautiful lady. But, yeah, beautiful but, woman. But the funny thing was I was telling a friend of mine about this the other night, and I said, So somebody had to keep the guy at the counter occupied by somebody was back there and they kept rotating in shifts trying to get back there to the magazine section. And finally, the guy goes, hey, hey kids, get out of there. You're not supposed to be back there. And then those magazines get out of there. So it blew, blew everybody out. But it just, you know, just those silly things like that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I remember that stuff like it's like yesterday. Yeah, that's great that you have that memory that you can close your eyes and just be there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, but just growing up and and you know just being a normal little kid on the west side of Long Beach and just you know seeing my brother and his friends and how right? are your brother and sister at this time? Well, are they out? 
Well, at this, at the, actually, when I started doing the Jack in the Box commercials, my mom sat us all down and said to my brother and sister, well, how do you guys like it? You know, Rodney's got this commercial going. Beverly, you work. Kenneth, you've been out on a few auditions. How do you like it? And my brother and sister said, Mama, we don't like it. Let Just Rodney. wasn't their cup of tea. They said, let Rodney do it. We'll, we'll support Rodney. And my mom goes, wait a minute, but you got your headshots done. Why don't you keep trying? Go, nope, 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 nope. We don't want nothing to do with it. Let Rodney do it. Wow. And so my mom looked at me at three and a half and said, okay, Rodney, I know that, you know, your brother and sister don't want to do this. You don't want to do it, I'm sure, because whatever they don't want to do, you don't want to do. I said, no, I'm having a blast. And my mom said, you sure? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I'm getting jumbo jacks. I'm getting burgers, you know? Right. So my mom is like, okay, I'll continue to take you to auditions, but this is your choice. My mom said, Rodney, I don't have to be burning up the road going to Hollywood. I can stay here in Long Beach. Sure. It wasn't, it wasn't no thing to my mom. She didn't care. It really was not, you know, and that's when you hear about these stage mothers and stuff. It was nothing like that. Right. She wasn't dragging you. You no. wanted to go. And and that's what made it beautiful. And I, I, I tell people, I've done a lot of interviews, and they say, well, would you put your child in the entertainment? I go, if they exerted that type of talent and they wanted it, if there was something fun, you have to kind of mold and shape, you know, shape them and test it. And if they have something, that calmness, that confidence, whatever it is, yeah, maybe, maybe not, you know, but... It sounds like your mom had a good pulse on you. And if she you did. balked and were tired of it, she'd pull you. Yeah, of course. It was never it was never She anything wasn't putting in. a cattle prod to you and forcing you. No, no. But she but she enjoyed her 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 role was like my image consultant. Right. That was and and my security. My mom was she was the eyes and ears. My mom when and she don't forget hair. And hair. That's right. <laughs> exactly. But my mom would be on the set. And she would just be kind of, you know, cruising around, but she's listening and watching body language. And my mom would come up when there was a break or a camera change, and she'd come and she'd whisper in my ear. She goes, you're doing a great job. She goes, they love you. Keep up the good work. She said, uh, you know, you hungry? You thirsty? You need anything? Nope. She said, all right, I'm right here if you need anything. She'd cruise on back into the darkness of the set. Wow. So I always knew, I always had that confidence that she was there. I was never alone. Now, because your parents had no idea what they're getting into at this point, who are you guys relying on to walk you through the financial minefield? Well, it, it was my well my my agent, Dorothy. Okay. She hooked us up with a, a trustee, hooked us up with a money management person. And at the time... It's no secret because when you're that young, you have to have a, a Coogan account so that money gets put into a trust. Right. And it really is supposed to keep the parents out of it. It's supposed to be set aside for that child's or that actor or actress's future. And that's what happened. Mm -hmm. My money was set aside for me. You know, my parent, my dad was a, a self-made man. He didn't, he didn't need my money. My right. Dad, my dad rolled on his own. Because I, I have covered and photographed people who young actors or celebrities who mm -hmm. they were making so much money they had to come off their parents' taxes because they were making more money than their parents. So oh, they yeah. couldn't even be a dependent. So there's always that weirdness where the taxman tells your dad, 
you know, your son, yeah. he can't be independent anymore because he's pulling in what you're making. Right. Exactly. I mean, and that's a weird feeling for parents to have like a child who's creating an income. Well, you know what? If 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 your parents love you, be it sports, singing, whatever, academics, whatever it is, whatever's going to make that child to be prolific in whatever way, you got to have parents that are willing to understand that step back, let them do their thing, and to take care of them, protect them, not expose them, not allow people to take advantage of them. And my mom was like, look, my mom's old school, but my mom was never, I was never out of eye shot. At no, no yeah. time, my, you know, my mom's a black woman. She, you know, she's like the chicken and the little, the hen and the little babies. You ain't getting, I, there was never a chance that I ever disappeared. Right. Wherever I was, mom was. Mom wasn't that far away. She was watching. Period. How was school? When did you start to get school? Well, I, I was always in school because okay. when you're a young actor, you before you could get your work permit, you had to keep your grades up. So anytime we worked, they would have a teacher on the set. So you never could miss school. So how was going to school for you? It was great. I mean, I went. I grew up. In Long Beach, it was funny. I went at one time to a Catholic school in Long Beach. It was kind of a private school. Okay. And truthfully, there was an incident that happened, and my mom was like, oh, no, I'm taking him out. And my mom pulled me out of school and put me in a public school. Really? My mom, and the funny thing was, I lived on Delta Avenue in Long Beach. Okay. Right on Delta off it, well, Delta between Willow and Santa Fe. Okay, yeah. There's a, there's a school called uh, John Muir Elementary. That's where I went to elementary school. Funny thing is, Mama could walk out to the end of our driveway and look left, and she could literally see me come out of the school. Wow. So she could watch me walk into school, watch me walk out of school. So I only had like a block from the house to, to go <laughs> seriously so, yeah so mom felt comfortable and my mom was like do you want to go to a public school do you think you could be all right i'm like yeah i'm fine and plus my brother was like the neighborhood enforcer my brother had like fist of fury so <laughs> nobody <laughs> dared to mess with me seriously my brother my brother was like well that's a good thing like because was there any jealousy or children looking at you of like, oh, I'll give you a hamburger? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. We were just a cool family. and But it wasn't about flash. It wasn't about flaunting. It wasn't like we yeah, lived on limo the limo didn't drop you off. No, no, no. And, and they, my parents were not going to have that because they knew that would create hysteria, you know. So the thing was, I was just a normal little kid. I grew up in the neighborhood. I rode bikes and just like everybody you else. You just happen to be in a TV commercial once I in a while. Happen to, hey, I just happen to be on hit TV shows. <laughs> that's <laughs> all. Yeah, that's all. Ain't no big thing. Your parents might have seen me on Carson. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you might see, it's funny. I would. I remember being a kid walking through the house, freaking sucking a you know popsicle and look at TV and see the Jack in the Box commercial and keep on rolling. Yeah. I got to go outside and play with my friends. All right, I got Evil Knievel to play with. Exactly. And wind G him up and see what I can shoot him across. Exactly. G.I. Joe. G.I. Joe, right. Heck yeah. yeah. I had it. I had all I had all the fun stuff. So 
Did you enjoy the 14 year run with Jack on the Box at that, the end? Well, like, because I mean, at some point you're just kind of. No, I mean, it's still till this day, I still spoof and, and joke about it because people always razz me about Jack in the Box. And so I, um, it was funny. I did a, I just did a post the other night of me, you know, doing a jumbo, doing, actually doing that song. You can doing grab a bike yeah. without going far. So I just, you know, I have a great respect for Jack and Box because they—that's where I got my start, and and from there, that 14 year that was just with Jack and the Box. Then right, it just continued just, on. Yeah, you had so many irons so, in the fire. Yeah. I mean, I had great shows like like I said, like Laugh In. I was on Laugh In. I, I know. Was, Think about that. Odd Couple, Six Million Dollar Man, Police Story, Doctor Welby, MD, The Odd Couple. So I did that odd couple one freaked me out because I knew you as the hamburger kid and now you're on the odd couple. And I'm like, what? How, how does that happen? <laughs> right. Good writing. There yeah. you go. I just, it just was weird because I have these knowledge of you as, you know, the Jack in the box boy, mm -hmm. I've got your doll. And now I'm a little older and I'm watching the odd couple and I'm like, why is he with Felix? This is so weird. Like why he's not supposed to be there, right? Yep. It was it was viral before viral was viral. Right. That's it. So you then the family decides we're going home. Yeah. So in nineteen eighty nineteen eighty my parents decided that they were uh gonna move back to North Carolina and it was a family decision and so at the time we really didn't know, but my mom had my mom was sick. And so my mom had, she was diagnosed with cancer. So she didn't really tell anybody. It was like a quiet thing. And she talked to, actually, she really didn't, nobody knew. My dad didn't know. And all Your of a dad, sudden, she kept, she, she kept it under the lid. She kept it under the lid. And she just started pressuring my dad saying, hey, look, we, we should move back home because, you know. Were there aunts and uncles there? Yeah, the aunts and uncles and all my cousins were there. And so my mom said, let's move home. And were there parents still alive at that time um, my grand my grandpa had passed away but my grandma was still there her mother or dad's mom my, my mom's mom okay and so and my dad his i think his pop had passed and grandma was still around okay. in ohio so mom kind of said look we need to get home so we made a family decision and then we moved back to north carolina and then that was in 1980 but what happened was that was when the big drug boom hit and it started taking out a lot of the people and entertainment and some of the child actors and things started getting right. crazy. But I was in North Carolina, so I just went back there and started going to this little country school and, and, and knocking out my junior high school and, and high school. And so when I was a senior in high school, over time, mom had gotten sick, and it had went into remission, and then it came out, and so she passed. When I, I was like literally a couple of months before graduating high school, so I was 18, and mom passed away. How was that for you? Because, I mean, she's your warrior. Yeah, it was tough, you know, but, you know, she had that conversation with me. I'm like one-on-one -on -one in the hospital with her, and she just said, you know, Rodney, you're going to be all right. She said, "Don't no matter what happens to me, you're going to be all right." And and I knew then. She said, "She said, didn't you want to go back to California and go to college?" I said, "Yeah." She said, "Well, Rodney, your money's in your account." She said, "Your college is paid for." She goes, "Don't let nothing stop you." She said, "Don't worry about me." She said, "I'm going to be all right. You're going to be all right." So, I knew then. I was like, "Okay." 
you know, and sure enough, when she passed away, I was literally standing in the hospital and watched her pass away, and I was like, wow. And I said, well, Rod, you're officially a man. I said, mama's gone. I said, you know, and I just, you know, thoughts and, you know, just blew through my head. You know, I'm, I'm just, sure. Yeah, and I was just like, well, and I said, I mean, that's your that's your mom. It's your right? bodyguard. It's your hairstylist. Yep. It's your, you yep. know, your driver. She was everything in those periods. Yeah, everything. And I said, you know, I said to myself, I said, you know what, Rod, you've got to keep going. And I said, she, you know, she told you. She said, if you're gonna go to California, that was one thing that she said to me in the hospital. She said, if you're gonna go back to California, promise me you'll be a good boy and you'll go out there. You'll make something of yourself, and you won't get in any trouble. And I and I I gave her my word. And so she passed away. How was your dad? Pop, he he was fine. Pop was fine. You know, he, it was tough on. And man, it hurt him just as bad. You know, because he, sure, that was his, that was his partner. That his was love. His, yeah, That's everything. Yeah. So. It seamstress. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, you know, but you know, Pop, he he. You know, he actually got remarried, got remarried to a nice lady. And then once I knew Pop was going to be okay, that's when I made my decision. I said, you know what, I'm going to go back to California. And I and I, I literally packed up my 1968 Mustang, and I hit the road. Now, was there a thought of back to the industry, or did you just want out of North Carolina? No, I was coming back. I was coming back to do damage. I was okay. coming back to get closer because you know there was no real industry in north carolina for me right yeah and, you know just the action wasn't there so i no. said i need to get back it's to chicago, my Chicago, or i'm sorry it's new york or la yeah new york you're LA. Your theater you're in new york right right and i just and new york was you know had too, you done theater had that even crossed your mind i had done some you know just different theater type of things and different types of performances but um when I got back to California, I actually did some theater, and it's funny because I could see you doing theater. Oh yeah, I mean, it, now let me tell you something. If you want to be an actor, if you want to be an actor's actor, grab a hold of some theater because right, yeah, you are on your own when you're on those when you're on that that stage, you are that character, and there you know you can't go oh I. I, I I blew line. that line. Yeah. Line, it, no, you better. And if you blow your line, you better keep rolling. Yeah, and you better make it seamless, and you and you gotta. Yeah, it's like you gotta have ice water. It's kind of funny. You have the you carry yourself like you do theater. Life is theater. Life is theater, and and I, a lot of times I, you have to. That I think that's one of the things that like I was telling somebody I said you know, I try to run my mind, and my mouth, on a five second delay, and I keep my brain advanced. A lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll react. Somebody will say something to them. They might insult you. And, hey, man, you blow up. Right. You know, the person might not have meant it. It might have been just something stupid or maybe you misheard them and and then you just popped off on somebody. A lot of times I process things. Yeah, like like I see you as somebody who can go two hours in the theater or TV and movies. It's like 30, 45 seconds. Cut, redo, yeah. hold on. Oh, Yeah. You got two hours of energy to go. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. You no, know, because you take regular, you take actors and put them on the theater, you watch them sweat. They don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, you got to have it. I mean, I take so many different things, like even 
this wonderful podcast. There's takeaways. And, on, and all these really cool takeaways, I put them, I store them. And if I ever need to access them, I got them. Right. Yeah. So good you, memories, good times. So you come to Cali, you come back to Cali. Come back to Cali. What's your plan? You got a mission? You wrote something the, down like, well, the mission was. I'm going doing X, Y, Z. Well, the mission was, the mission was, um, I decided, it was funny. When I left North Carolina in my 1968 Mustang, <laughs> I'm driving. Yeah. yeah, I'm driving on 40 West, and I said to myself, "Anywhere that jumps out of me, I'm setting up shop." So I could have been anywhere. I could have been in Tennessee. I could have been. It was funny. I I I started the car in North Carolina, drove out of my dad's yard, blew him a kiss. Waved at Where my in sister. North Carolina? Raleigh or outside or of Sh- Greensboro? Okay. So I, I leave and I drive to Little Rock, Arkansas. No, I drive to. Yeah, no, I drive to. Uh, I drive to Tennessee. Okay. In drive, one day. In one day. Okay. So now I'm in Tennessee. That's a and, good drive, right? Yeah. Now. And so I, I I go from North Carolina to Tennessee, and I'm looking around. I'm like, just don't feel Tennessee. So I get a I get a hotel room. And you're an 18 year old man, right? Yeah, I'm not, we're you're right a kid. In, yeah, I'm just a kid, and I I leave, and then the next stop is uh, um, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I I'm rolling, dude. I'm driving nonstop, gassing up. I'm making sandwiches on my passenger <laughs> seat. I got my I got a cassette box. And I and I really told myself, I said, Rodney, you got 45 cassettes in this thing. Each one of these things are 45 to 50 minutes. Just pop it in and let it play. Who was in that cassette? Who oh, was, my who was, gosh. Who was, your, who was your selection for the ride? Oh, my goodness. Miami Sound Machine, the Isley Brothers, Rick James. Oh, man. Well, Rick James will get you through some states. Yeah, LL Cool J. I'm, oh. listening, I'm listening to everything. Well, what year is this? Oh God! This is nineteen. This is nineteen eighty. Eighty. Okay. Nineteen eighty. So okay. I'm listening to all this great oh, music. You got some good stuff going oh, on. Oh man, I'm I'm jamming and I'm cruising across the nation. And so, but it's really funny. I make it from North Carolina to California in two days and five hours. Jesus, Rodney. I was rolling. I was so motivated to get back to. What are you California. doing? Cannonball run? Like it was that? like cannonball. It was like cannonball. Wow. I just gassed up, checked my oil. While the thing's pumping gas, I'm checking my Under oil. Under the hood che- looking to make I'm sure she's got a... My baby's running like a charm. I car jumped. just loaded up to the gills with your gear? No, no. The only, only thing I had was in the back seat. The back seat was full of clothes. Okay. That's all I came here with was clothes. Where'd it's you a, stay? Wherever you could, just pet up a couple hours? No, I, and, I got a hotel room. I had two right. stops. And then, boof, I, I ended up... And I ended up back in California. And Where's then, your goal at this point? Where do you want to? Somewhere Long in LA? Beach. Long, Long Beach. Beach. Going back to back to Long LBC. Beach. Back to Long Beach, and I I got back, and I got my little apartment, and I said, I'm gonna go to school. And I said, you know what, Rod, this might be a bit much to bite off. I said, go take your time. So I enrolled in Cerritos College. Okay. Started knocking out some GEs. I got my GEs going. I started taking some other classes at Long Beach City. And finally, I said, you know what? I'm ready. I got my GEs knocked out. I transferred to Cal State Dominguez Hills, got my degree in marketing and advertising, and graduated. Now, yeah, now, was that something you were thinking, or, or were you thinking 
back into the industry. Well, I, I'm a creative person, so I thought the entertainment stuff is natural. I'm always going to have that, but I wanted to have something to fall back on, and thus I got my degree in marketing and advertising. I've since opened up my own marketing PR company. I've shot. I've I I run you know a digital media service now. I, I there are different things that I, and I use all of this brain space to you know just to get me through. And so whenever I work on projects with people, I can access from knowledge or experience or through connections and people that I right. know. And it's just like you, you you're you're a self-made man. You got a wonderful broadcast center here you're doing quality stuff people don't realize that you don't need a massive machine you just need a heart you just need organization and you 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 know you got quality sound quality content this can go anywhere your podcast can go anywhere in the world any theater anything in college did you do any kind of anything in the entertainment nope i mean i stayed so you just Put your I, head down and went to school. I went to business. I went into business school. It's funny, a buddy of mine said, man, you should have went to film school. You should have went to film school. And I was like, well. But since then, I shoot, I edit, I package things, I write. Matter of fact, you know, I've got several projects that I'm working on right now. What I, are you working on? Yeah, tell me. Yeah, I'm the co-executive producer of the Country Soul Music Awards. So that's something hopefully that's coming 2022. Okay. I got another buddy of mine, James Andrew, Taylor to the Stars. We're working on something called a reality show called Taylor Wars. Yes. Right? Yeah. Is he up in La Habra? Yeah, he's over in La Habra. And so we're talking. Great guy. I met him. Yeah. Great guy. We're looking at, you know, when you look at fashion, you look at like these shows like Fashion Runway. You People are so, you know, hooked on the fashion, but you don't see how that fashion is made. Mm-hmm. Imagine three top tailors and they're all battling under pressure with maybe even limited budgets and stuff to pull off, you know, high quality work. So that's kind of that's one of the things that we're looking at. I'm also um, I'm also looking to produce a automotive uh, event called the Celebrity Shootout. And so my goal is to be able to bring the biggest A-list celebrities, actors, music people, VIPs, and make them all drag race for charity. (laughs) Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah. So, I mean, you got all these celebrities and icons. They got these Ferraris and Porsches and Corvettes and custom cars. I'm like, okay, you're always standing around in these magazines, grinning and smiling. Can you drive it? Yeah. Kim Kardashian, you got that Lambo. Can you drive it? Uh-huh. I want to see Kim Kardashian race Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> I want Caitlyn Jenner to bring out her Porsche and go up against Patrick Dempsey. Can they drive? Yeah. I want to see this. I want everybody. And Hell, just get into Jay Leno's garage, and there you can pick a car there. Hey, Jay Leno. <laughs> I want to see Jay Leno take out Tim Malik and Tim outrun Jay. And it's all for charity. Jay, All of these celebrities can pick a charity of their choice. And the viewers at home could be able to have an app where they can make donor bets and they could bet and wage their bets. But all the money that they're waging is going to go to the charities. Wow. I want to raise millions of dollars in 10 seconds. That's great. That's what my plan is. Your mind's spinning all the time. You're just spinning plates. Business, brother. Business. We got to keep it rolling. So I'm, I'm happy to say I just now picked up a new position with a great group of people in Burbank. And I am the executive 
studio unit manager for 2526 Studios. So it's a sound stages in Burbank, uh, right in the heart of the media district. We got a beautiful high-end green screen sound stage. We got a 60-foot white psych, which that's kind of like a big, beautiful white room. Right. Where infinity you can, wall. It kind of goes. Yeah. And you can actually drive a, a car. So that's what you would see in the car right. commercials uh -huh. and things like that. You can Green screen. Green that's screen. Been put you anywhere. In, put you anywhere in the world. And um, we're looking at getting a recording studio built. And we have um, a two-time, no, excuse me, three-time Grammy award-winning, multi-nominated Grammy uh, nominated uh, music producer. And his name's Prince Board. He was the founding member of the Black Eyed Peas. He's working with us. Oh, wow. So he wrote Where's the Love and... You know, all of these great songs with the Black Eyed Peas. And so he's there with us. So he's designing our music. He's our music director. So any type of music or television shows or scores, it'll probably be him knocking this stuff out. And so I'm making my shift into that studio world. And I'm looking at um, someday producing, directing, doing my own thing. Yeah, because you got your YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So you put up some stuff there. Yeah. Do you have you directed anything yet? I've directed some small things, a couple commercials and things like that. I've been, you know, I've, do you I, like to be on that side of the camera? Don't mind it. You know, I love it. I like that creative side. It's telling, you know, telling that story. I've got, you know, movies and things stuck in my head. And I'm like, I'm a type of person. That I don't like to even mess with things unless I'm holding the budget. Do you, would you prefer to produce or direct? You know, I've, you know, I like, I like directing. I think because that directing side, you really are telling that story. There's something, it's something in that director's seat when you are saying, I need more of this, or you trying to really make that moment. You want the viewers to feel something. And if you can get that, if you can do that, that's what the real great directs. I mean, you look at people like, oh my gosh, um, you know, you, you got so many great directors out there. It, it's just amazing. Um, Clint Eastwood. Right. I, mean, I have a great respect for him. You know, I just love, you know, I, I like, did you see The Mule? Yes. Oh, man. What a freaking actor. It just. Yeah. That heavy. was a great job in that film. Incredible. Yeah. I mean, and then there was a movie that Adam Sandler did and he was a jeweler. The gym, yeah, right, the right, gym. right. Yeah, uh, yeah. I know what you're talking oh about. Oh my! I was gosh. on Netflix. It was nominated. Yes, he did a great job. You, you know, you think Adam Sandler is like, you know, you just don't expect him to dig that deep. And I mean, I was like blown away. I caught it, and I was like, wow, man, he did a heck of a job. It's that range. Can you find yourself? Do you see yourself possibly going there and doing that, acting or directing something? Of course, of that? I would love to. I'd love to have that opportunity. It, Are you it, writing? Are you writing I, your own stuff? I am. I'm writing with people. I'm, you know, and again, it's laying those, those, you know, those foundations out. And and I am looking forward to having that type of time. And, and again, it's being connected to the right people, having the funding. I'm a type of person. I, I hate banging my head up against a wall and going, I got this great idea. 
now I got to get the money. Right. <laughs> you well, know, I got to find yeah, a fund, yeah, funding gotta, for it. Yeah, I got to find a funding for yeah, it. Yeah, I got, I got a yeah. dozen scripts here I can show you, too. It's, it's, it's always just finding the funding. Yeah, but, but there's ways to do it. Yeah. You know, you know what's interesting, though, mm-hmm. is today it's so much more easier to make your own project than it ever was when you started out. That's right. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. the cameras are so much better. The sound quality, everything is so much cheaper and plentiful. And yep. there's software on computers mm-hmm. that you can edit. That, Color correction. Yeah. You could never have thought of making a Jack in the Box commercial. Yeah. Your poor mother wouldn't have known where to start on that. Yeah. Yeah. But now, you, you can know. produce it. I mean, uh, there's a lot of great producers. And even when you're looking at young people, that's what it's all about. I mean, you got young kids out here riding skateboards, and you see these guys and girls videotaping them, and they're doing stunts and stuff. And you know, be, you know, please be careful. But the whole point is, they, I mean, these young men and young women are cutting their teeth. They're and they're photographers, and you know, graphic ha- artists, graphic and, artists, and, yeah. hair and makeup, and sound, and, and they're getting tens of millions of views. There it is. I saw more people watched. Uh, some kids play Minecraft the other day than watch the opening Olympics. More kids yeah. are on YouTube. More people are watching YouTube than mm-hmm. stuff that, on TV. That's what's happening. So the new television is this digital media. So it's people accessing content on the go, how they want it, where they want it, when they want it. And the industry has to dance. They have to dance to that tune. It, it, the old way of doing things you could be a little bullish back then you could be bullish and push the market around sure. now, now it's like the consumers are consuming how they want it so if you don't serve it up to them that way you might have a little problem yeah you're gonna have a big problem they just mm-hmm. won't watch your product exactly yeah they'll go because their choices are so plentiful mm-hmm. they can go anywhere yeah so yeah but i just you know meeting great people and stuff like that i actually had the pleasure of meeting a, a guy by the name of dan frankel he's a Great cinematographer, works with Lionsgate. So just met with him recently, real cool guy, and he's got a big project coming up. And I just met a guy named David Shapiro who runs the um, the Creative Handbook. Okay. You know, that's the book with all, all the information. So I just interviewed him, and the guys at 2526, they want me to have this little kind of like an interview show called Behind the Scenes. Rodney Allen Rippey, Behind the Scenes at 2526 Studios. So we're interviewing people. And just learning about what's happening in the industry. As you know, you know, when COVID blew in, it threw every everything into a tailspin. So right. now everybody's trying to be poised and, and try to say, how can we not have this happen again? So everybody's trying to make, you know, be be precautious and do the best that we can, you know. Sure. Check all the precautions, man. All right, Rodney, I have to know. Sure. The political career. How did you ever think, let's dive into that? Wow. Well, at the time, I was living in, a, I was actually living in Long Beach at the time. And I grew up, you know, on the west side of Long Beach, as I had told you earlier. Right. And when I was a kid, matter of fact, when I had that big afro that we had talked about, <laughs> I used to get my hair cut in Compton. And okay. my dad knew all these people in Compton. So... We were always in and out of Compton. We, My dad had a lot of friends. My family knew people there. And Long Beach is just like a stone throw away from Compton. Yes. Well, my college campus, Cal State Dominguez Hills, is literally just like literally 
right on the other side of the freeway of the 91, one side is more or less like, uh, more or less like Dominguez, and right on the other side is Compton. Mm-hmm. So I'm in the middle of, you know, I've graduated college and all this. I had my degree in, in marketing, and I got a call from a lady, and she said, Rodney, I want you to come represent me to the city because we're trying to get funding about this. Uh, it was a company that, or an organization that, that took used eyeglasses and repurposed them for people who couldn't afford glasses. Okay. So, you know you know how some people, your yep. eyes change. Mm-hmm. They wanted to collect them and give them to the less fortunate. So it was a great idea. And they wanted me to represent them at the city. So I go in with this person with a nonprofit, come to find out. We get into the pitch and the the city manager literally goes, you know, Rodney, it's great that you're representing this charity, but I, I got to tell you, you need to run for mayor of Compton. And I was like, no, man. I said, I've never been involved in politics. Or That's a like big that. jump. And he goes, no, we need you to help give us a lift. We need our, our we need to change our image and you have a great image. So after a little bit of thinking, I did enter the political race to run for mayor of Compton, California. How old are you at this time? Golly. Well, I mean, gosh, I was, this was back probably like, uh, gosh, this was like six years ago, six, seven years ago. Okay. Yeah. I mean, this was a little way, a couple, a few okay. years. Well, it was like two sessions back. Okay. I mean, two, two whole administrations back. And you back. never even thought of politics or touched it or anything. Never thought about it. But I grew up in Long Beach and I remember all my life going, man, why does Compton have such a bad rap? And, and after going there, I literally toured the whole city with a notepad in my car. And I go, this is crazy. And I made a note. And literally to this very day, I was through there recently. It still hasn't changed. It I was like, it's well, sad. And my, my question was, why are there no trash cans on the street corners? Dude, I, I didn't see one. And I couldn't, and I was riding around and the city just had issues. And I said, some of this stuff could be easily corrected. So when I went to run for that, that position, I had a whole agenda set up. I had a whole plan to bring in tax revenue, generating jobs into Compton and really make a difference. I didn't I, it wasn't a political stunt. It wasn't a joke. I really wanted to go in and make a difference. And they there were people who just thought like, oh, Rodney's doing this as a stunt. And I and trust me, my my campaign mission was so progressive. They were like. Oh, wow. And it was like and during one of the uh, debates, they said, well, Rodney, what are you going to do about, uh, uh, you know, la- you know, a few years back, there was like money missing. I said, that money's gone. I said, I'd rather focus on how we can turn the city around now going forward. I said, look, and I guarantee you it won't happen under my administration. And everybody was looking to see how how I could have done that. I had already talked to the owner and CEO who ran the accounting company that handles the city of Long Beach and the port of Long Beach. Mm-hmm. They've got hundreds of millions and billions of dollars coming in and out of the port. Oh, yeah. If, if they could track that, surely they could help track some business. And I said, 
when I become mayor, I said, I'll have a third party accounting. I said, there won't be no money missing. And when I said that, you could hear a pin drop. And I was like, <laughs> oh, I think I said too much. <laughs> it was one of those things. Mm-hmm. But the the most important thing was um, it was a great experience and, and getting out into the community. And, and I mean, I still come across people to this very day. And they go, man, I remember when you ran. I really wish you would have won. I really think that you 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 could have made a big difference. And I have to tell you, during that election, the night of the election, which was really crazy, the two largest precincts. So I'm in City Hall with all the rest of the candidates. And at the polls closed at 8 o'clock. And there were two campaign boxes missing. Two ballot boxes were missing. So eight o'clock, no ballot boxes. What? Eight fifteen, eight eight thirty, eight forty five, nine o'clock, nine fifteen. This, like like a delivery guy shows up with this box, walks in the city hall, and they're like, "There's the campaign box." So they freak out and everybody rushes to the front. I'm standing there, and he walks in and sits it down on the table and he's like, "Okay, there you go." They were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa." And they look at the box, and it had one chain on it. All you had to do is grab the chain and slide it, slide, slide it, it off, yeah. and open the box up. It was com- all the ballots were exposed. He go and everybody started screaming at this guy. What happened to the chain? He goes, I don't know. This is how they gave it to me. They're like, who? He doesn't know anybody's name. The ballot box had one chain on it, so they're freaking out. And they're yelling at him, and they said, wait a minute, where is the other ballot box? He goes, it's in the car. The car is locked. They said, you can't leave this thing out in the car. What? Are... So now they all file out to the parking lot. I'm standing there watching this. They come back in, slam it down on the table. No chains on the box. None on the second box. Oh, my goodness. And I'm sitting there with my arms folded. And they're yelling at this guy, and people are poking him, and he's slapping people's hands off of him, saying, hey, don't touch me. I'm just a driver. I'm just delivering the boxes. I don't know anything. This is how they gave it to me. He didn't know anyone's name. Nobody knew anything. One of the boxes had no chains on it. The other box had one chain on it. And here's the best part. The election was on Thursday. So A Thursday? It was on a Thursday. The the answer was supposed to be in on Friday. No answer on Friday. No answer on Saturday. No answer on Sunday. No answer on Monday. Tuesday was the city council meeting. I walked into the city council meeting. I'd signed in. I put my name on the list. I'm standing in the back listening. Whole city council. Everybody's outraged. Place has 400 people. People are screaming. Who won the election? Who people are going crazy and they said, who is the ballot in? And when they said, no, the ballots are not counted. They are still counting the ballots. People started booing and jeering. So then they called my name. I walked up front and I said, look, I was in the city council <laughs> hall when those last two precinct boxes come in. One came in with one chain. One had no chains. I said, I'm out of the race. I said, I'm bowing out. It wasn't the fact that I didn't win. I bowed out because it was, I literally had Intel come into me and said, Rodney, we want you to leave. They said, 
we my my some of my support base said we don't want you there you need to move out of the city because I, I had moved into the city to well, run yeah right so i was living there how was the process <laughs> for you the, the, it was the wild the, going on in the streets trying to get votes knocking door to door did you enjoy that it was amazing people? it was amazing people couldn't believe it i mean it was hi my name is ronnie allen ripper i'm running for candidate you know for mayor of, of, of compton and they were like Wow! It, it was like that. Sure, you they, you must have floored a bunch of people when you say your name. Everybody, and they're like, "Wait a minute!" Exactly. I know you. And and the point was, they asked me, "Well, what do you plan on doing?" Right, because they've they've heard it before. Right, exactly. And I said, in the things that I had told the people, I said, "Look, I'm not coming in here to play games." I said, "There's a lot of things. Like for an example, even till this very day, 2021." There is not one major car dealership in Compton. Not one. There's not even a movie theater there. Would you put one there? I had planned for it. I had the whole thing planned, and that was part of my agenda. I had so many different things, you know, for education, for jobs, and it, it was just so many different things. And it, But it was a heck of an experience. I, I take no... Uh, I, I didn't take away anything negative from the experience. It was amazing. Do you think a city like that could ever change? I believe it could. I believe, you know, I'm hoping a new administration, the new people in place, because it's sad for a city like that to have been embroiled in so much stuff. For, for years, to, for, for years. It, for it to continue to go. And there have been people who have gone to jail and so many other things. Right. They, as in their, one of their mayors went to jail oh, or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, City council people. Yeah, and, it's been wild. But what I wanted to see is because where that, where that city is located, I mean, it's not that far from the beach. It's not that far from. It's got uh, freeway access. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, it's not in the middle of nowhere, for right. God's sake. Nope. It's, it's surrounded by the. The uh, the 105, the 710, the 91, the and the 110. Yeah. It is sitting, it's, and they call it the hub city because it's sitting right in between four major freeways. So business, commerce, they have a great, uh, a great section that is all industrial for warehouses and businesses. I mean, you got the big, you know, Amazons of the world. No, there is no reason why there couldn't have been. A huge, huge boom in jobs, hiring, as well as a big push in education. And but it just, you know, things stay the same. So hopefully, does it make you scratch your head and go, why do these people keep voting for the same politicians? Well, I don't know if it's voting because, like I said, I saw it from my own self, I, from my own eyes. You saw something I, trickery. I saw some serious trickery. It's funny when you damn it. See, that drives me nuts. <laughs> when you talk about. You know, a campaign being stolen. I was like, that was funky. I mean, to see a... a Did that break your heart a little bit? Oh, yeah, because when I went and voted that day, my ballot box had a chain from end to end and one it over to cross it with a lock so you couldn't open it. Right. And when I saw that guy come in with a, a ballot box with one chain on it, I was like, this is crazy. And when he came in with the second box with no chains on it, I was concerned. Sure. Doesn't take a fool to figure out somebody fooled around with it. <laughs> Something happened. And and the funny thing was, in the middle of that melee on that Tuesday at a city council meeting, someone in the audience said, Why did the 
can't, why do the ballot boxes not have any chains on them? Oh, we, we don't know anything about that. <clears throat> We're going to keep moving. Yeah. 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 Next yeah. agenda. Yeah. Water park. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I didn't get one out of that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know that bit. That's right. Blazing <laughs> Saddles, man. Blazing uh, Saddles. What other future projects are you working on? Well, you know, really excited, man. I just got a call. Um, a dear friend of mine, her name's Tammy Locke. She was actually in the movie The Monroes, you know, the TV show right. back in the day. And um, she's been friends with the the great uh, Bill Cobbs. You know, you remember him from The Bodyguard and so many, you yeah, know. he's been so, around for years. So many great things. He's actually hooked up with the director, Bill Duke. And they have a black cowboy movie called Mac Shane and they're looking at possibly having me play one of the lead roles in this in this black western and so wow that's big very excited about it and and it's really it's really something that just happened that that is something that's kind of bubbling I'm also um, just through relationships and and people I got another um Another great call from another guy. His name is Robert Gatewood. Now, this is another heavy project um, between, you know, the Mac Shane, you know, because of just with Bill Duke. Going back to Mac Shane, though. Right. Going back to Mac Shane, um, you know, Bill Duke, you know, he's a legendary director. And him being friends with, you know, Bill Cobbs and stuff like that. Those guys are, like, putting it together. And they're veterans. And so... Having an opportunity to work on projects like that is going to give me an opportunity to kind of stretch. You know, I want people to see me as that leading man, that leading role type of, you know, character. And I'm I'm up for the challenge. I'm also um, working with a gentleman. His name's Robert Gatewood. And Robert Gatewood is a historian, film director, and he came across something that was really, really remarkable, which a lot of people don't know about. During the Revolutionary War, there was a black militia that was literally put up front. And during the Revolutionary War, when America was going up against the British, America had this black militia out front. And they were like, look, you guys lead the way. And... It wasn't, you know, the plan to have, you know, them to get very far. They just needed a, kind of a little buffet. You yeah, know, bodies too, yeah, right? Really bodies kind out of, front, like kind a little of, shield. The real story was bodies, just bodies. throwing bodies out there. Right. Well, as the, when we got into the, the real battle at Bunker Hill, the battle was on and many of our troops started to pull back because the British were very, very strong. And when they pulled back, this black militia kept pushing forward. And believe it or not, they're called Bucks of America. A lot of people don't even know. If you go on the Internet and you Google Bucks of America, there's actually a flag. There was a a, a shield, a crest that they actually had on their uniform. Wow. And Robert Gatewood started doing all this research and he started posting up stuff about Bucks of America. Do you know he got called and contacted by the British government? And they said, Dear Mr. Gatewood, we have found that you are 
writing and talking about the Bucks of America, and it seems that you have uncovered a piece of American history that has never been told. Wow. And they wanted to know where he was getting his information, and they fact-checked him, and they came back to say, yes, you're absolutely right. The Bucks of America, we, we did battle the Bucks of America. And so then he actually ended up acquiring the rights to the story was there a book or a novel written? Is that well, what he pulled or a it, script? It's actually, it's a script that's together. And he okay. actually made me a co-producer on the project and gave me another lead role. So I'm up for two major lead roles in two major epic, um, you know, historical film projects. So I'm excited to be, um, you know, the Mac Shane project with Bill Duke and Bill Cobbs and also looking at this thing uh, with Robert Gatewood and a, a host of a big cast of people for Bucks of America. So it's pretty exciting. But And you can go on to IMDb and you can look on there and, and you'll see Robert Gatewood, Bucks of America, and you'll see that I'm, I'm a character. I'm already cast for the one of the lead roles. What kind of actor are you? Are you a method actor or what, what's your style? What do you like to lean on? You know, I really, I, I really believe in just digging into the character, embodying that, you know, and really delivering the best performance I possibly can. I, I mean, and again, a lot of people don't know it's in me and I can, I literally can go anywhere from comedy to dramatic and I'm looking forward to this opportunity. I want my fans out there to see it. A lot of people are waiting. And, and again, Will you start prepping yourself with like either weight gain, weight loss, or, or training, or what? Yeah. Will you, what will your process be? These were the type of things. Will just kind of learn the ways, kind of understand, maybe read some books about that, dig into especially uh, the 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 feeling of what would it be like to be at this place in in that moment in time, and once you get your mindset. Do a lot of research. And Have you started any research? Some of this, okay. yes. Some of this is is already in, in underway. So were they free slaves? Slaves? Yeah. Well, these were free. These were like, hey, listen, if you come with us, you know, there was promises like, hey, listen. Land or some kind yeah. of something. Well, well, what had actually happened was the North had put out there to the slaves in the South, hey, if you can get free come and fight against come north and fight okay and so when that started happening that's where some of the slaves were breaking free and trying to get up there they were like so the america was like whoa wait a minute let's not let's not have these people running let's make them put them on our side but we're going to put them out front sure and so that was the logic and again these are certain things that are you know, people, I think what's happening right now, uh, I was talking with another colleague. As you know, the world is in flux and things are really, really changing. And we just got to get back to the real reality of this is we are American. We are all here together. We've got to make this thing better. And when you start looking at things that just don't make sense, I think people are starting to ask questions. Sure. People are starting to say, you know, you hear people go, well, you know, I, I don't care how you slice it. You know, I, I just think like what had happened at the Capitol, that was a tragedy that 
affected us all. You know, I mean, that made America look crazy. Sure. And I'm like, are we imploding from within? How did, you know, how dare we go into a sacred place like that? I mean, I, I even if I don't care how mad I would be, I would never Ne- I don't know what it. No one could ever talk me into. Hey, Roddy, let's go down to the Capitol and scale the wall. Are you crazy? Yeah, or, or city hall or any place <laughs> like that. I wouldn't even yeah. go to the freaking courthouse right. and, and, and bust the window yeah, it's out. It's stupid. It's foolish, and that doesn't get anything done. And I was like, oh my god. And I was like, this is not happening. And I'm like, and I'm thinking, what is the rest of the world thinking? So, as Americans, I think we all got to get it together. We got to really get down to getting this, getting ourselves together, communication, love, working together, industry, retaining jobs, getting our youth back in a place where, and getting them caught up because this pandemic has put A-list, you know, I mean, A students behind, you know, this is some serious, serious stuff. And so I think that, you know, as we push through this year, it's an exciting time, and I, and I'm I'm excited to see how we're coming out of this thing together. You know, this isn't about one people or one type of party. We're all in this together. This is America. The rest of the world is watching, and I want to see great things. I'm going to do my part. You know, I'm going to like I've always done. I'm going to hold my head high. I'm going to do my best to not capsize anybody else's boat so that we all can sail down this river together. That sounds like a damn good project. Good enough for me. That's great. Where can people find your stuff? On YouTube? You can find me on YouTube. You can find me, uh, God, 2526 Studios on YouTube, Instagram. Are you on Instagram? Yeah, I'm on Instagram. Are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter. Rodney Allen Rippy. Say hi. See me. I'm on Facebook. Say hello. There's Anybody's got some funding and wants to do a project? Hey, anybody. Hey, I'm, I'm <laughs> going to be, I'm, you know, it's all about having fun. I'm involved with um, some great people in education, STEM education. It's a group of guys and people. Uh, yeah, you're big on that. You really want to give back to kids, don't you? Well, yeah. I mean, we're tied into some great stuff. Um, there's a group called the Hidden Pioneers, and we have a, a working relationship with NASA and NASA is making a huge call for more kids to get involved with STEM. And, you know, there's, you know, federal dollars and there are people really wanting to make sure that kids have opportunities for STEM education. If you look at the high schools, they've cut all these, you know, vocational classes out. No metal shop, wood right. shop, metal. I mean, you know, all even home ec is gone. I mean, all of these really great things are gone. And so... We need to make sure that the kids have access to technical skills because if they don't go off to college or we're looking at the the whole world, we're going to be short technicians. I mean, look at all the the journeymen. They're retiring men and women who are people in electrical positions and things. They're getting older. They want to stop. They want to retire. Right. When they retire, who's going to fill that void? You can't just ramp up knowledge overnight. So that's why we need to get young people involved, get their hands busy, and really get them involved with STEM education. Yeah, that's big because mm-hmm. those God knows they're needed. Yep. There you what go. are you? What What other projects are they trying to help 
facilitate and get those kids into that STEM and think that it's important and get their hands on it. Right. Well, the whole thing is, you know, you're looking at everything from robotics. You know, we're, we've got a great relationship with a, a billion-dollar car company uh, called Lucid Motors, and they have, they, they have an incredible car called the Lucid Air. We want kids to start looking at automotive design. The, the big automotive companies are looking for more young female designers. And when you start talking about design, it's design, packaging, marketing. There are so many things, you know, that you can, young people can get into. Sure. And it's an it's a open market. We want them to know that the opportunities are there. They just need to... Uh, seek out these these things that are there and available to them and so and then we're trying to present as much as we can through the hidden pioneers also oh i almost forgot we're going to have the second annual global diversity summit and fundraiser february 24th 25th 26th 2022 okay and so it's a live stream event three-day event and we're going to have huge interviews with. Where they? Where can they find it? Um, it's probably going to be on E360 TV. Okay, that's who we worked with last year. But you can find out more information by going online to hiddenpioneers.com. Okay, hiddenpioneers with an S dot com. Yeah, that's big. Yeah. Yeah, it's a shame that there's not the wood shops, metal shops, you know, mm -hmm. home ec, the stuff, just to get kids using their hands, get them going. It creates mm -hmm. their imagination. Mm -hmm. I mean, young people, if fathers and mothers would get their kids out and say, hey, look, you know, be careful. This freaking saw will cut your finger off if you ain't careful. But, you know, you got to be mature. Sure. You can't be a clown around things that can hurt and kill you. So you have to be focused. And once you get that focus down, once you get that that skill set down, imagine making your own bookshelf. Imagine making yourself your own dresser. And when you stand back and go, I freaking made that. Now they might be the next, you know, furniture designer. Sure. You know, they you start if you have the the skill set to build something and to create, the the world is yours. I mean you never know. Somebody may go, hey, can you make me one of those? Yeah. Now somebody hears about it. They see it. Boom. You yeah. Know? I mean, think of your mother. She didn't have to drag you around. She could have been the next big designer. Well, exactly. <laughs> and I'm serious. And you know what? I look at some of the things that she created and I'm like, man. Do you have any of those pieces still? Yeah. Some, oh. Yeah. Some of these pieces. And I plan on taking a little trip back home and grabbing some. I want to shadow box some of this stuff yes. and put it up. Really cool stuff. Oh, Rodney, man. Thank you so much for taking the time and it's doing this. It's a pleasure, this. man. It's a pleasure this chatting is, with you. This is awesome. You well, know, to hang with somebody that uh, <laughs> used to be my, my doll buddy. Yeah. You know, man. used to, sometimes, uh, I hate to tell you this, but you would be the monster that would attack Steve Austin and the Bionic Man. But, that's right. But you were still the buddy at the end of the day. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, man, it's all, it's good, man. I had, I've had a great time and. Look forward to continued success to you as well. Oh, you're the best. Thank you, Rodney. Peace, man. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Rodney. You can find him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, as well as his YouTube channel. And if you enjoyed this episode, please hit the like button, subscribe as well, and you can find all of our shows on justagoodconversation.com. 